If you have been a part of our church uh, for a number of years, or even a year, you know that this Sunday uh, is the Sunday we began a special emphasis uh, as a church that we focus on international missions. Now, if you're new with us, um, maybe you... uh, are not aware of that or haven't been here for a full year and you haven't been in this season of the year. And I'm going to describe some of uh, what we do during this season later in the, in the sermon. But if you will know that today we begin a week of prayer for international missions. We will send out emails related to things that you can pray for every day from this Sunday till next Sunday. Uh, we will also, there are also prayer guides in the foyer, and I would encourage you uh, to take one of those. If uh, I mean, you can wait for the email to come, or you can take one of these. It's the same material. Uh, it is also a time of the year that not only we pray for international missions, but that we also give. And our goal this year for our world mission offering is $21,000. Uh, At the end of this service, or during the final song, we have our box that we always have where we come and have a special time in which you can give your offering. We're going to do that this year uh, during that final song. I'll be bringing my offering this Sunday so you watch me do it and you can come and do that. You can also give, uh, obviously, online. You can give in the offering boxes however you would like to give, but there are envelopes in your pews and stationed around uh, the foyer. They may look like this, or they may not look like this. Um, There's several different designs. Uh, But if you are new with us, please understand uh, that missions is at the very core of who we are as a church. And so I wanted to talk this morning about missions and this is a pretty this is a pretty broad sermon this morning about missions and when i started preparing for this i just said what is it that the bible teaches us about missions um and there were three big ideas that emerged and i want to talk about those Three ideas. I know generally I'm not that Baptist preacher that has three points. This morning I've got three points. Amen? For some of you traditional Baptists, you, you're, you're, you're there. Uh, you're feeling it this morning. I can f- track you. There's three points. Okay, hold up this finger. This is point number one. Just thank you, Mitchell, for doing that, and Jeremy. Uh, so the first point. As I looked at the Bible and I said, what does the Bible teach us about missions? The first point is that missions begins and ends with God. Missions begins and ends with God. Uh, We can break that down, obviously, into two parts. The first thing I discover when I look to the Bible is that missions begins with with God. God is the one who initiates missions. It is, and really this first point, the significance of it is missions is not first 
what we do. Missions is first what God is doing. He's done it from the very beginning. He will do it to the very end. God is the one who initiates uh, missions. He is the beginning of missions. Missions originates from the nature and the activity of God. It is, it is who he is. He is a missionary God by nature, which means his character, his heart, at the very core of his being. Uh, God is a missionary God, but also his activity. Before any of us are ever called or anyone was ever called to be a missionary, God was a missionary. And what I mean by that is that God was pursuing lost mankind to redeem them back to himself. When the world rebelled against God, it was God who went to pursue them before he sent anyone else. God is a missionary God that when the world rebelled and was alienated and chose to separate, each one of us did, from God, it was God who began to pursue mankind. And where missions comes in, the, the, the clarification of of this is that God pursued mankind, here it is, to the ends of the earth. There was no place that God would say, oh, that's too far to go to find that person who is alienated from me. God went to the ends of the earth. Uh, we see this in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Jonah. God speaks to Jonah, and he calls Jonah to go and to proclaim his message to the arch enemies of the Israelites, the Ninevites. It was a statement of God, there is, there is not a place too far that I will not go. In the New Testament, I think of the stories that Jesus told in Luke 15, the stories of lostness, mm, hundred sheep, ten coins, two sons. But in the first story of the hundred sheep, when one goes astray, I see in the parable of Jesus that God is the shepherd who leaves the ninety and nine and goes after the one. Because God is, God is a missionary God. He is going to go to the ends of the earth to redeem people wherever they have gone from him. I think of the story from the life of Jesus in Luke 19. As he's passing through Jericho, uh, he finds the wee little man in the tree, Zacchaeus, right? And the story unfolds, but in Luke 19.10, Jesus makes a statement of, as God of God's Nature and his activity when he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus, as obviously the Son of God, the incarnate God, reveals the nature and the activity of God, that God is a missionary God who is searching for lost mankind. Uh, 
God is the beginning of missions. Missions begins in the nature and the activity of God, but God is also the end of missions. I'm not, I'm not really going to say this, but really God is not just the beginning and the end. He's everything in between. I'm not just saying he begins it and he ends it, but this is the sense that I got is that the Bible teaches us that God started missions, but God will also end missions. He will bring to fulfillment his, his plan of redemption, that God is the end of missions. I see this in the sense that not only will God go to the ends of the earth, but God will also go to the end of human history. God begins missions, but he also ends missions. He will go to the ends of the earth, but in that pursuit of redemption, he will also go to the end of human history. In 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, as he's talking about, as Peter is talking about the end of time, 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9 gives us a glimpse into the heart of God. The question is, why doesn't God just end this? What's going on in our world? Because. He is a missionary God who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is willing to go to the ends of the earth, and he's willing to go to the end of time, of, of human history, to redeem lost mankind. Jesus Speaking of the end in Matthew 24, 14, made this statement. He said, this is Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. What does God wait for? Well, Jesus gives us a glimpse into this. Why hasn't the end come? Because God is the one who is the end of missions, and his desire is that people from every ethnic group everywhere in the world would hear and believe in him and would be gathered to the throne of God. The one thing in the end that brings God glory is that there will be people from every people group, every ethnicity, every nation that will be gathered around the throne worshiping God. That is, what God. that is what ultimately brings God glory. In fact, we need to understand this. The very purpose of missions 
is to bring God glory. Because God is not only the beginning of missions, but he is also the end. God by his nature and his act and activity, I'm sorry, God by his nature and activity is a missionary God. Missions begins and ends with God. Second truth that emerges from the scripture about missions is that missions calls out people to go. First point is that missions starts and ends with God. But the second point is that in the midst of God's activity, he calls out people to go. God calls people to join him in what he is already doing. There's, a, there's an order here. That missions is not something that we say, oh, we're going to do this for God. No, this missions is something that God is doing, and then he invites us. And we understand in the midst of the missions that God has called us to, God is actively involved in that. God is working. God is more passionately concerned about the lostness of mankind than Daryl Smith will ever be. Because they are his children. And the one thing that will bring him glory is that they would be gathered around his throne someday but God is calling out his people to join him in missions God calls in the classic scripture in Isaiah 6 as Isaiah encounters God that encounter ends with a voice coming from the, from the throne that says, whom shall we send and who will go for us? Classic statement, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. It is the calling of Isaiah. But it's not just Isaiah, so many through the centuries and still today that God is calling out to go. God not only calls out, but he also sends. We see this in the life of Jesus as he was not only calling disciples to come and to follow him, but he was sending them out. Jesus sends out the disciples. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. Uh, Acts 1 records the ascension of Jesus after his crucifixion. His resurrection, 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, Jesus ascends. This is Acts 1. It's, this is where it's recorded. What does Jesus say? What, is, what, are, what are his words to his disciples as they're standing there that day as he's, as he's about to be lifted up? He says, but Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus not only calls, but he sends. And in Acts 1.8, he is sending out 
those disciples to go. Go where? Well, start in your Jerusalem. But then go out from there. Go to all Judea and Samaria. But where else should the, where else should the called go? Well, you have to go to the ends of the earth. Why? Because point number one, God is a God who is redeeming, and it doesn't matter where they are. It's to the ends of the earth. And it's until the end of human history. And so God sends out the disciples to the ends of the earth. We see later in the book of Acts that God sends through the church. We see this in Paul and Barnabas' life in the church of Antioch. It says in Acts 13, 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And Barnabas and Paul are sent out. He's Saul at this time. But, and really, missions began with Saul and Barnabas as they went out. They were, yes, called of God, and yes, you could say they were sent by God, but they were sent through the church. That's what we see in the Scripture. The question would be this morning, why do people have to go? Why do people have to go? Uh, two reasons. The first one, theological. Theologically, people have to go because people are lost without Jesus and have to hear about him to believe in him. And they have no other hope other than Jesus. The reason that people have to go is because if people do not hear, they cannot believe it was what Byron read in, in Romans chapter 10. No, there is no hope. You can't leave people as they are because there is no hope unless they hear of Jesus. I think of the words of Peter in Acts 4.12 when he says, Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Listen. Theologically, the Bible is very clear that unless they hear of Jesus, they cannot believe in Jesus and they cannot be saved. There is no other hope other than personal faith in Jesus Christ. Theologically, no question. Why? Why must we go? Because there is no other hope for some people because they will never hear. Practically, that leads us to the, to the second reason of why we must go. In a practical sense, is that we have to go because that's the only way that some people will ever hear. There have to be missionaries that cross geographic, ethnic, and cultural barriers so that some people will hear the gospel. 
Some people will never hear if Christians just stay where they are and preach the gospel. If we only share the gospel where we are with people like us, there will be some people who will never hear and theologically, there is no hope. Missions is evangelism that crosses geographic, ethnic, and cultural barriers to share the gospel. Uh, sometimes we think of missions as only uh, geographical crossing of, crossing of geographical barriers. We have to go to Africa to do missions. That's not what the Bible teaches because there are other barriers like ethnic barriers. Uh, in the book of Acts, there were the Samaritans that were ethnically different and culturally different from the Jews, and the Jews weren't telling them about Jesus. Well, when you cross those ethnic or cultural barriers to share the gospel, even if it's people that live within your geography, then it's missions because they are people that either don't live close to us or, just being honest, are not like us. Therefore, that becomes a barrier to the gospel because there are not people within their geographic, ethnic, cultural realm that are there to share the gospel with them. Only way they will ever hear if is, is if somebody crosses those geographic, ethnic, and cultural barriers to share the gospel. The only hope they have in practical theological terms is if somebody goes. Um, I've had people through the years that have said to me, well, pastor, I know... Uh, you know, we probably ought to go to Africa, but we ought to be doing missions right here in Huntington, Texas. Absolutely. Because there are people that have a ethnic, cultural barrier from us that we're not sharing the gospel with. And when we cross those in Huntington, Texas, we are doing missions. And even though this time of the year we are focused on international missions, that is not to say missions is only international. It's not about whether we do missions here or there. It's not either or, it's both and. No, absolutely. Jesus said, Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you're new to our church... Uh, over 10 years ago, we adopted a people group, um, the Kenyanka people group in West Africa, in Guinea specifically, um, southeastern Guinea, if you're a geographic person, geography person, some of, of y'all that doesn't help any, that's all right, look it up on a map. Uh, one people group. I don't know, there's about 200,000 of them, maybe, maybe more in related kind of people groups. Been going for about 10 years. Um, uh, and really when we started that, it was 
it was with the Spirit that said, you know what? <laughs> we may not be able to reach every unengaged people group in the world, but Huntington First Baptist Church can reach one. There's about 12,000 different people groups in the world. There, about half of those are unengaged, unreached. Uh, I've, many times, Cricket, I've thought many times, if Huntington First Baptist Church, which, I don't know, 200, 250 of us, I don't know, maybe a larger pool of five to 600 of us, if we can adopt a people group, and there's only about 6,000 that are unreached, if churches just like ours and larger adopted a people group, we could connect the gospel with every unengaged, unreached people group in the world. It's like, wait a second. If we can do this, others can do this. And it's not everything, but it's something that we said this will be our part. Uh, Mike and Tasha Werner have uh, been our missionaries for a couple weeks over there, and they're back. Tasha is sick, just being honest contracted malaria while she was there and she's sick. Uh, they're resting. Uh, I am hopeful that this week she will get to feeling better and next Sunday we'll have uh, discussion time up here on the stage to talk about their trip and what God has done in that time. Um, God calls out people to go and we have to go because some will never hear and some will never have any hope unless we go and we share the gospel. The third, third point is that missions is supported by prayer and giving. This was another truth that just emerged from the scripture and most of this is from uh, Paul's ministry as really the first or the leading force of, of missions in the early church. Missions is supported by prayer and giving. Some are called to go. All of us are called to support missions through prayer and giving. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus Christ and this is at the very core of who he is. God is a missionary God by his nature and by his activity. And if we are a child of God, we are to be involved in missions. The classic Charles Haddon Spurgeon quote, Christians are either missionaries or imposters. That's a loose quote there. It may be exact. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher more than 100 years ago, Christians are either missionaries or they are imposters. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a missionary. Some are called to go geographically other places. Some are called to stay here. We are all called to support missions by prayer and by giving. We see this in the letters of Paul, uh, Colossians 4, 2 and 3. Uh, he says, continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us 
that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Paul exhorts the Christians at Colossae to pray for his missions. Uh, Paul writes to the Philippians about giving in, in Philippians 4, verses 15 and 16. He says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. The church is to support missions by prayer and giving. We see this not just in Paul, but as we forward, fast forward through church history, we get to our, one of our Baptist forefathers, William Carey, who is known as the father of modern missions. William Carey is a cobbler, which meant, my understanding, he either made or fixed shoes. Repaired shoes, I think. He's just a common man in the central part of England. He was saved in 1775, just to give you a time frame. He was called as a pastor. In 1792, he feels a call to go to missions, and he, he exhorts the churches in his association to give themselves uh, to pray and financially support missions, and he creates... Um, later was called the Baptist Missionary Society. Kind of a society was a word kind of for an organization. And William Carey goes to India for 40 years. Uh, but when he set up the society, two things. The purpose, pray and financially support missions. It, this was a part of what the church was called to do. If we fast forward the story a hundred years, we come to Lottie Moon. Uh, oh my. We, if you don't know who Lottie Moon is, call Charity this week, set up an appointment with the pastor. I'll, we'll have an hour session. Lottie Moon. My mother would be blessed that I shared with you about Lottie Moon. Um, I was raised with Lottie Moon. Some of y'all probably don't even know Lottie Moon. She was, she, was a, she was one of the greats in Southern Baptist life. She, was, she served in China for almost 40 years. She was from a wealthy family in Virginia, was saved in 1858, was just a single lady, a school teacher, felt called uh, to go to China in 1873 as a single lady on a boat to China. She never returned back to the United States for 39 years, Lottie Moon, she was only about four foot nine. I don't even know where that hits. Yeah, right about in there. But in 1887, she wrote back to Baptist women. 1887, so about 134 years ago. And she encouraged Baptist women to do two things. During the Christmas season, pray for missions and give to missions. From Paul to William Carey, 
to Lottie Moon. And of course, we know that some of you know that um, our Christmas offering for international missions has historically been called the Lottie Moon Christmas offering because of what she encouraged uh, Southern Baptists to do. Lottie Moon served until 1913 in China and during the famine in, in China in 1913 was starving herself to death and was uh, asked by Southern Baptists to come home. She refused. They sent a person to go get Lottie Moon, put her on a boat, and as God would have it on Christmas Eve 1913, off the coast of Japan, Lottie Moon dies before she ever made it back to what we would call home. But she had gone home after all those years of faithful service and the mission's offering historically has been called uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Let me, let me say this as I conclude this morning. That missions is supported by prayer and giving. Uh, this is a week of prayer for international missions. Uh, take your prayer guides. Uh, take the emails. Be faithful to pray and to undergird our missionaries. Uh, many of them we know. Dietrich and Chandra Kaufman were in our church last year at this time. They are faces and people that we know and we serve with as they serve in Guinea. But there are 3,600 other missionaries around the world for us as Southern Baptists that depend upon our support first of prayer to pray for their ministries and for their lives and for their families. We not only pray for our career missionaries, but we pray for those that go short term as we've been praying for the Werners. We pray for churches to be called out uh, to adopt a people group and to go and to send those that cannot go career-wise but to go uh, for short term. Uh, we, also, we also give. We not only support through our prayers, but we also we give in our church. And, and I say this because I know some of you are new. You don't under, uh, have not been here for this season of the year. We have what we call our world mission offering. And yet, several years ago, we decided that we would have a once-in-a-year an all-out effort uh, to support uh, international North American state and associational missions. And so uh, there are four weeks of prayer through the year, for one for international, one for North American, one for state, one for associational missions. But we only take up one offering, and we send half of it to international missions. We send 25% of it to North American missions. We send 15% of it to state missions, and we send 10% to our associational missions. And our goal this year is $21,000. Um, and um, Amy and I personally, uh, uh, our practice is that our largest gift we will give at Christmas will be to our world mission offering. I'll do that this morning as soon as I pray and sit down. Um, I don't mean that to be showy. I'm just telling you. I'm not asking you to do anything that I myself don't do. It will be our largest gift that we give this year. Um, any kind of Christmas gift. Um, I would encourage you to do the same and to give sacrificially uh, because missions is supported by our prayers and by our financial gifts. And so um, in just a moment, in fact, Shane's going to come, our, our music team's going to come now and lead us in a final song 
Uh, during this song, the altar is open if you would like to come in to pray. Um, we will also make it our practice over the next five or six weeks, I think it's six Sundays, that during this song, if you would like to come and give your gift uh, for the World Mission Offering, the box is up here, and you can do that. You can obviously give it online. You can give it in the offering boxes, but we want to highlight it because this is important uh, because uh, missions is supported by our prayers and our financial gifts. I encourage you that you would, you would pray. Uh, know that missions is at the very heart of God, and to be his child is to be called to go out wherever that is geographically and that all of us are called uh, to support missions by our prayers and by our giving. Amen? Amen. Uh, won't you stand? I'm going to lead us in prayer. Our music team's going to lead us in one final song. The altar is open. If you would like to come and pray, you can give your gift. At the end of that song, when we're dismissed, uh, Will and Byron and I will be at the front. If you have decisions to make about salvation, church membership, you want somebody to pray with you, we're going to be at the front. We're available for you. Uh, Father, today we, um, we thank you that I thank you personally, Father, um, that you didn't leave me in my lost state, but that, Father, as a 10-year-old boy, and even before that, you pursued me. And so, Father, I thank you that you uh, made yourself known to me and that my eternity has been changed. And, uh, Father, um, I know the commitment of my heart is for you to use me however you see fit. And so I pray that that would be the prayer of each person in this room who's a child of God, uh, that, Father, we would surrender ourselves, uh, Father, for you to use us. I pray that you would take our time, you would take our talents, uh, you would take our money, Father, and you would use it to do that one thing that is still undone, and that is that every people group in the world would hear of Jesus. So, Father, we pray that we would be faithful in this, and we trust this to you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.